The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Without further ado! That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Moore. Find me on Twitter at HP Basketball. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And make sure, first, before you do anything else, download our amazing app. You can track all your bets, keep up to, up to the second stats, and figure out win probabilities on all your bets to know if you need to hedge. Complete coverage, obviously, of the big game this Sunday that the Chiefs are absolutely going to win. Joining me today on today's NBA Buffet... Brandon Anderson and Raheem Palmer. Brandon, first, how are you? I'm good. I'm ready for NBA tonight. I'm excited for the Super Bowl. It's a big week. Raheem, how are you? I'm very excited. Um, we got some good bets tonight. So, you know, it's a great Wednesday in the NBA. Let's get to it. All right. Let's get started with the marquee event. Our marquee event for this week is what we've learned through about 25% of the season about betting on the NBA this season this has been a weird season this has been a rough season this has been a pretty brutal season all the way around it's tough i think to find consistent angles and to be able to trust teams and their performances i'm curious to know where you guys have decided to go this season with your money raheem let's start with you because i know that you have strong feelings about where you've been betting considering all the craziness with covid and then titan schedule and everything going on for me, I know I've reduced my volume on my NBA sides. Like, I have no interest in really playing a ton of NBA sides at this point just because I think the game is already swingy now with the three-point shot. But then you add all the uncertainty with COVID, and I just think, you know, you have guys, you know, being announced out five minutes before the game. You have, you know, you, have, you don't have a lot of continuity. So I've been playing a lot more totals just because I think, you know, at least with my model, I know that these games are going to play true to form. Like uh, the other day I played, like um, I played the over in the Bulls game, Bulls versus the Blazers, over 235. It went over with ease. As a matter of fact, it was over 232. It went over with ease. But if you played the side, it was decided in the last five seconds of the game where, you know, if, like I had the Bulls as well. And the Bulls were up five with – 11 seconds to go. Dame Lillard hits a three. You got a stolen ball, on, and then he hits another three, and your bet's done. So I think if you play a lot more totals, they end up playing true to form over the course of the game, and they're not decided by one or two possessions. So that's where I've been headed. So I want to dig into that a little bit more. So does your model account for player impact in the total estimate? It's mostly team impact, and then okay. I make my manual adjustments. Right. As far so, as I, so I like that. I like. I am more. This is like a big dividing point, and it's a dividing point amongst our team because, like, our model, um, the Action Network has in our app, is based off of player projections. Like that's how Fan plays. That's how Brian Mears plays, and like those guys are real successful. So I can't knock it, right? Like, but that's where a lot of this comes from. Is that they they all the numbers are, are based off of player impact. It's not about the team performance. It's about the player impact. I have a hard time reconciling that because 
from my time covering them in the league, there's a lot of times where a team has an identity and that identity holds true even if a guys are out and even if key guys are out now, like there are separations, right? Like if the Clippers don't have Kawhi and PG, they're missing so much firepower. I don't want to play a total there. Like I don't want to go in on a combined total because I don't think I can trust either the defense or the offense because those teams like that team is built around those guys. Um, so you've got to be selective, right? In terms of even when you're doing this, like you've got to be selective in playing, spots where a player missing isn't going to necessarily cause a lot of change in what the total is going to be. Right. Yes. I mean, you look at the, like, if you look at the Brooklyn Nets before the Harden trade, if, if Kyrie and Durant weren't playing, you basically saw the old Brooklyn Nets, the fun Brooklyn Nets right. from a couple of seasons ago. And I, I think, you know, I was able to get an edge on some of those games total-wise and side-wise because people completely underrated what they were. It was like seeing Golden State without Kevin Durant, and they went back to, you know, the style which is Curry and, and Clay and are passing the ball around. So I just think you have to – you can't blindly play anything. You have to know the personnel and how they're going to adapt if a guy's out. So, I mean, here's like an example, right, is since 2018-19 – when MB doesn't play, which I don't know if you guys know this, pretty common, pretty common. That he just randomly doesn't play five minutes before a contest. No, not going to happen tonight. That's not a thing. Jo- Joel Embiid is going to play. I-, I just imagine the conversations between the NBA, the-, the section of the NBA that deals with its interactive gaming section, which is the betting department, like those folks and the conversations they have at like trying to relate, like, Hey, so like we're really respectful of the teams and health, but you're killing us. Like you're just killing us because like that's I absolutely what every better like just ha- like feels. When, how how many times have you guys had a Sixers bet and then randomly Embiid pops out? Like it's one reason like I don't play it until I know he's in. Like I don't go in until the very last second on any Sixers game uh, except tonight. Oh, I just realized that. But other than that. Other than that, I try to avoid it like the play. But without Embiid since 2018-19, when Embiid doesn't play, the over in Sixers games is 24-18-4. That's 57%. Like That's been a consistent trend that when Embiid doesn't play, they play faster and they, play diff- they, they just play a little bit differently. This season, it's 2-2-1, two, two and one, not enough of a sample, surprisingly. Um, hmm. But those are the kind of things that I think you have to keep track of. Like I like to, to keep track of what happens to how a team plays and a player's out. And I think that's really important this season to be like, when this guy when this guy is missing, they play differently. And those are, I think, spots where you can find advantages. Uh, Brandon, what's been the biggest adjustment that you've made in this crazy NBA season? Yeah, so like Raheem, I am kind of – narrowing in on what I'm playing and it will come as no surprise to the two of you. I am playing more and more props and just starting to stray away from uh, picking a side or a total. And intuitively props feel like they should be harder to play this year because players are coming and going. We've got all these random dudes playing minutes. It feels like it should be really unpredictable. It is unpredictable. However, it's just as unpredictable for the books And what I'm noticing so far is that the books seem to be scrambling to get lines out and they are 
not totally sure, okay, this is a new thing that's happening. This player is in the lineup. This guy's out. Do we adjust? Do we move this lineup? Do we wait for a few games before we see if the pattern is there? And with this season, a lot of, we're not talking stars here. We're talking like the role players, the bench guys, rookies, guys who are starting to get more minutes. Those are where the props are really showing value right now because uh, the books aren't adjusting lines fast enough. And by the time that they adjust, the trend is already switching and we've already moved on to the next play. Uh, So with props, I'm learning be nimble and just look especially at the last week or two. Now, normally that's not a good idea. Normally you're falling victim to small sample size there, but the patterns are changing quickly. And right now a week or two might be, well, this was an entirely different team for that week because they're missing four guys in the COVID protocols or something like that. And uh, if there's one prop I like, I'm just milking it. I've done that with the Evan Fournier points. I've done that with the Brooke Lopez assists. Milk it, keep playing it, keep playing it. And then as soon as it goes sour, toss it out. Get rid of it. Just don't come back to it. Um, and just play play the opportunity with players. Play the minutes that are there and trust that the production comes for the most part while they're on the court. And then the other thing too, kind of like I said with the milking a thing, it's okay to just stack wins. Uh, with props, it's very easy to get tempted into the plus 125, the plus 150, and feel like, okay, I'm, I'm going to try to stack those up. And I feel better about just taking a win that I feel really good about. That I look at a line, I'm like, yeah, this guy is definitely going over, but it's minus 130. Should I be playing something at plus juice? With props, there are so many plus odds out there. Uh, but if you are playing even minus 125, minus 140, in our props column every day, we pick three. And we're pretty consistently hitting two out of three. If you win two out of three props, then you can play those those minus 125s, those minus 140s, and you're still stacking up wins and you're still getting profit over time. So for me, I'm finding the value in the props and just finding a new trend, looking at, okay, what's the new lineup? Who's the new guy that's in? What's the news that day? And then go ahead and play it. And um, yeah, that, that's where I'm playing this season so far. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I think I've been... The, we're t- we're all talking talk about narrowing, right? Like Raheem's like, I'm not playing sides and totals. I'm just playing totals. Brandon's saying I'm narrowing in on props and player production. Um, I've gone into more, I've, I've gotten really narrow this season in the terms of playing quarters and halves. And the reason I'm playing more quarters and halves is one, I really only need to, I, I need, just need to figure out if there's going to be a win or a loss, right? Like, are you going to win mm-hmm. the quarter? Or are you going to lose a quarter? Um, because these lines are always going to be within, you know, the most you're ever going to see is like two, two and a half if, if the team is really terrible, if it's a real mismatch. Um, and you stay away from those in general because there's such a, a vast differential. And we see these trends. The biggest thing is that the lines are, we're seeing them a little bit adjusted. But in general, most of these lines are just, they take the overalls and then they chop them and they'll balance for, for a certain thing. So you will see differentials in first quarter versus second quarter lines. But if you know that a team has a really strong bench, <clears throat> and you know the other team doesn't, you can't go just that far, though. You have to be able to look at, does the team that has a weak bench play them a long stretch in the second quarter to get their guys rest, or do they do what a lot of teams have done this season, which is they start a star player or two in the second quarter with the bench unit to balance that, give them a break in the middle, and then finish with the starters. Like These kind of things matter for balancing out the whole kind of 
of stream for it, but I have found that playing first halves, playing quarters, like one trend in particular, and I, I've been doing this consistently since the start of the year, just fade Portland second quarter. Because even with the injuries, they're still playing mellow canter lineups in that second quarter. And every time they put that lineup out there, they lose. Like they are a negative. Spur fade the Spurs first quarter because Lamarcus Aldridge consistently is in the negative whenever um, he plays in the first quarter. He can balance out through the rest of it. Like I don't want to play Spurs. I don't even want to play Spurs first half because their bench is so good. You're basically in the if you're mm. playing Spurs first half, you're trying to balance. Is Lamarcus Aldridge going to lose enough that the bench can't overcome it and then you're in this tension spot, but I'll play Spurs mm. second quarters. Cause their second unit is one of the best in the league and has been over the last three seasons, like Yaka Pirtle plus minus God. Mm-hmm. And then I'll fade the Spurs in certain spots. If they're facing a team that I know is dynamite in the first quarter, especially if it's not a star laden team. Like if it's not a team that's got a lot of pub, that's not expected to be, have a big advantage. And I know that it's going to be like, if I get, if I could get plus money versus the Spurs first quarter, I, I will take it almost every single time because the Spurs just wind up losing a ton of these first quarters. And so that's where I've kind of gotten narrow. Um, one more question I think I have for you, just to go over some general trends. So we saw, we saw road dogs do really well to start the season and that's balancing back. Right. So like in the beginning of the season, road dogs were hitting like 60 to 70%. As of right now, uh, road dogs this season against the spread are 95, 83 and two for 53%, which is still really good. Right. Like that's, that's exceptional compared to any other season. If this were a normal season, we'd be like, what is happening? But we are starting to see that that was about 60 to 70% in the start of the season. And that's slowly, I think, regressing back uh, to some of the norms. The other thing I think is interesting is all these back-to-back sets where you play a team and then you play them again. The trend historically had been that there were value on taking the team that had lost because the other team was kind of like not recognizing like that, you know, there was a motivational edge. One team was like, Oh, we got this. We just beat them. The other team was playing harder, made adjustments, etc. We're seeing the opposite trend this season. When you have the second night of what Ken Barkley calls the duplex games, where you play a team twice inside of a week, you're seeing straight up the team that lost the first game are 20 and 28. So they're losing the second game. And then against the spread, they're 21, 25 and two at 46%. So we're actually seeing a little bit more, I think, a focus on these teams that lose the first matchup uh, or in terms of win the first matchup, staying focused and being able to play that next game. We're also seeing, I think, some of that's just impacted by guys play the first one and don't play the second one. There's back-to-backs, et cetera. So like, there's no real advantage, I don't think, to be found, even at, at you know what, 54%. I don't think there's any sort of advantage to be found in, in any of those trends. Do you guys agree with me on that, Brandon? Yeah, I don't feel like... It's such a small amount of data. We don't have anything to compare it to from previous years. It it felt like there was something there early in the year, like you said, and now it just feels like things have gotten a little bit noisy. And there are just so many special cases there with guys sitting out and that sort of thing. I don't know if there's a trend there. I feel like for me, one of my big picture overall trends is just look for look for the right opportunity to bet on underdogs. There are just so many underdogs covering and winning outright and winning in shocking fashion we're, we're getting Matt you talked earlier uh, like before the season how the records were just going to end up condensing and the top top teams are going to lose a few extras the bottom teams are going to go up we got the Cavs and the Knicks and the Hornets are all like in the mix right now and 
I, I feel like we're not, we're, we're rightfully not giving those teams huge respect. They're still showing up as huge underdogs, but they keep winning some of these games. There, there are spots where there's a line that's kind of hedging early in the day because it looks like a, a star might sit and then they end up sitting and the line moves a few spots. Any spot where I can see where not necessarily I feel great about the underdog, but where I just feel the red flags building up for the Nets, especially, or for just one of those other big favorites that the books are still listing as big favorites, even though they're not, I was getting there. So I'm I'm looking for underdog opportunities. I'm not necessarily looking for them on the second half of those duplex scenarios like you're talking about. I don't know if that's necessarily the trend spot that I want for them. I think one of the things about these duplex games is that you see the market overreact. You'll see a team underperform in one area. Maybe, you know, they might shoot 20, 30% from three. And then the next game you see the total or the side misprice. And I think that's the biggest advantage of those duplex games is because you get to see the market overreact. Maybe they push the total a couple points too high, or maybe they push it a couple points too low. And then you're able to actually fade that. That's something I noticed during the bubble, you know, even during the playoffs. Because to me, when I look at these games, if you're playing the same team in the same venue with the same players, the line should literally be the same. Right. You know, outside of a small adjustment, we should be making huge adjustments game to game. And I think, you know, sometimes the public may push it a certain way. And I think that's where your edge lies. That's a good point. That's a really good point. All right, let's get wrap it up for our marquee. Brandon, I understand that you have something that you want to ask us about. Pat Mahomes, take me home to the place we belong, Kansas City. All right, guys. So, as we know, Patrick Mahomes has a big week ahead of himself. Tom Brady has a big week ahead of himself. We got the Super Bowl coming. This is an NBA podcast, though. We all know that Matt's going to be rooting for the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes on Sunday. Today, gentlemen, we are going to play the NBA Super Bowl. So here's how this is going to go. We are going to take the NBA standings as is and, and treat the NBA playoffs like it's the NFL playoffs. Seven teams from each conference. Ooh. Division winners get the top seeds. Ooh. The one seed gets a Ooh. bye. And then we're going one game playoffs. Home team, you know, is the top seed. And just going one game all the way to the end. So I'm going to read you guys off of the seeds. And then what I'm going to do is give you the matchup and let you guys debate it. And if you agree, great. That's the winner. If you don't agree, I'll listen to the arguments and uh, pick a winner. And we'll see who we think is the champion. Let's go. Oh, <laughs> let's go. I'm excited. This is great. In the East right now, we have the Philadelphia 76ers are the one seed. They get the bye. They are sitting out the first round. Two seed, Milwaukee Bucks. Now, here's where it gets a little weird. The divisions, we've got a division in both conferences where the division winner should not be the three seed, but that's the NFL rules. That's how we're playing it. So the three seed, Atlanta Hawks, getting the home game, the first round. Then we've got the, there is no fourth division like in the NFL. So then the rest are wild cards. So Brooklyn, four seed, Boston, the five, Indiana is at six. And then in a battle between surprising teams, the current seven seed, by virtue of an opening game tiebreaker, the Charlotte Hornets lose out to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yes. The Cavs are back in the playoffs. <laughs> Cleveland rocks! Cleveland rocks! Cleveland rocks! Cleveland rocks! Cleveland rocks. 
That's our seven seed. The Raptors just miss out. The Miami Heat would be the 13 seed right now, by the way. So just pointing that out. So that's our East picture. And then the West, we got the Jazz are the one seed. Clippers are the two seed. The Clippers are exactly tied with the Lakers right now, but beat them on opening night. So they are the division winner. The Grizzlies, the Memphis Grizzlies yeah. are your three seed right now. They're leading the division. They get the home game. And then the wild cards, Lakers four, Nuggets five, Suns six, Blazers seven. The Rockets and Warriors just miss out. And again, Dallas Mavericks, the 13 seed right now, not even in the picture. So that's your playoff picture. I think we're going to do, well, yeah, let's just do start in the first round. So let's start in the East. This one won't take much time. We got our two seed Bucks playing the seven seed Cleveland Cavaliers. Oh, the Bucks win this game. I yeah, mean, the Bucks win. <laughs> I mean, they're they're probably what? Probably nine and a half point favorites. It probably gets it is the first game 11. of the playoffs, and the Bucks in the first game of the playoffs. We've had some issues the last few years against bad teams. Any thoughts on that? No, they're not I Toronto. Mean, it was Toronto. I mean, I'd be I'd be taking. I mean, la- last year they were in a bubble. That doesn't count. So, all right. yeah, I like Cleveland there. <laughs> all right. Uh, so the interesting matchup in the East, uh, both both conferences, this three versus six matchup is interesting. So we got the Atlanta Hawks are the three seed. So this one's in Atlanta, and they are hosting the Indiana Pacers. So Raheem, who do you like, the Hawks or the Pacers? I'm gonna go with the Pacers. I like. I just. I, I think the Hawks are just a young team. I, I'm taking the experience over a young team any day. I mean, I personally make. What do I make that line? Um, what is that line? Damn, that's actually. <laughs> that's actually kind of close to a pick'em. What? Yeah. What? Yup. I actually have it close to a pick'em. I mean. I mean, if Atlanta's at home, Atlanta's a three seed. I will be taking the Pacers, and I would bet them to four. The biggest thing here is that Trey Young is going to do something unconscionably stupid in the fourth (laughs) quarter if it's close. Just like it'll be a two-point game. The Hawks will have dug back from a 12-point deficit. They've got all the momentum, and Young is going to take one of those 35, 40-foot threes. And his teammates are going to be like, why? What are you doing? The Pacers also would just pick apart that defense. I think. I just think they would just as good. They've been better this year, but yeah, I will take the, I will take the Pacers, especially with this revamped offense. I like the Pacers there. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to take the Pacers, but I think you know from a betting perspective, I think the line is a little funny. All right, the Pacers pulled the upset. I agree with you guys on that one. And then the four-five matchup. This is a this is both wild cards. And so we got the Brooklyn Nets and the Boston Celtics. We got the Kyrie Irving battle here. Brooklyn gets the home game. Matt, let's have you go first on this one. The Nets or the Celtics? Boston. Woo! I want Brad Stevens in a one in a one game. I don't think this Nets team is well built for a one game environment. There, there's too much variance. There's just too much. If you're like, I know the thought process, which is like, we got one game. I'm taking Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden. I don't necessarily love that situation because I, I just. The one, their defense is suspect. Two, if they don't have it, they just don't have it. The Celtics, like, I know how they're going to play. I know how they're going to play. Like, they're going to play tough. They're going to be smart. They're going to be disciplined. In that kind of environment, like, if these two teams meet in the playoff series, I'm absolutely taking the Nets. One game? Give me Boston. You were crazy. Did you watch that Christmas Day game? Yes. I mean, James, James Hart wasn't even on the team, and it's just I think they just overwhelmed them offensively. What have we seen from Kimba in the playoffs? I mean, Kimba, like, what have we seen from James Harden in the playoffs? 
are we really comparing Kimball with James Harden now? Like James Harden, has, what he's done in the playoffs is far greater than anything Kimball's done. I think one of the things that I've, I've been intrigued about about this Brooklyn Nets team is that I'm looking at the lineup with Kevin Durant, Jeff Green, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Josh Harris. They're scoring 125 points per 100 possessions. And they only got blitzed one. last night. They got blitzed in that first quarter and had to dig out of it. And, and, the, and I mean, in the first quarter, you're playing Kawhi and PG. But for the most part, you know, in five games, 72 minutes, they're scoring 125 points per 100 possessions and only giving up 108. They have a, seven, a 17 net rating. And I, I think that's a lineup that would crush the Celtics team. And I don't, I don't think the Celtics are going to be able to make them pay. I think they go out there and they win this yeah, so these are good arguments. The the talent versus the coaching and and culture argument. I kind of like the Brad Stevens argument here. Brad Defense, Stevens knows this knows the one game thing. Where did he come from? Butler University. He took two teams to the national championship game on one game playoffs. He knows how to play like an underdog. He knows how to get his team ready for one game. I don't trust the Nets right now. I, I don't think any of us trust the Nets. I, I, even if the Nets advanced here, I don't think any of us would be taking them very far in this tournament. But I am going with Boston in the upset here also. Brooklyn is the sort of team that needs the playoff series to... They're, they're going to fall behind to some worse team early in the playoff series and have to like earn their status as, as a contender by, by getting a big win. You don't have that opportunity here. They haven't had that chance. I'm sticking with, with Boston, too. Here's, here's the thing I want to say. James Harden is typically better at the start of playoff series. Like, if you look at all his game ones. How are they getting a stop? How the Celtics getting a stop? <laughs> I mean, you can say the same. defenders. They have absolutely all NBA defenders. I mean, they haven't been able to stop them. They haven't stopped a, a lesser version of this Nets offense. All right, we'll see. We'll see. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. All right, the Celtics and Pacers both pull the upsets and advance. Uh, let's let's stick with the East and just keep moving forward on the East bracket here while we're on these teams. So second round now, this is NFL playoff version. We don't have a straight bracket here. The one seed gets to play the lowest team left. So the one seed, Philadelphia 76ers, they gave Joel Embiid the night off. He earned it this time. He is playing at home against the Indiana Pacers. Raheem, who you got? Ooh. This is a hard one. This is a really, really hard one. Um, I'm going to reluctantly go with my Philadelphia 76ers. I, I think you give Embiid some rest. I think right now Embiid and Steph Curry right now, when you put those two on the floor, they're just, you know, one of the best teams of the league. So I'm going to reluctantly go with them. I don't feel good about it, though. Matt, ready for me? You ready? Do it. Okay. I'm taking the Pacers. The Indiana Pacers have gone 
four and four until this prior matchup versus when the, the Sixers won without Embiid. Okay. With Embiid, the Sixers are four and two versus the, the Pacers since 2018, 19. However, we know, we know this Pacers offense is better. Like we know that. Um, I don't know if Karis Levert's going to be back. Let's say he is like, this is, you know, five months from now. Let's say he is. Okay. If I get Karis Levert and I got fully healthy Pacers squad, they got scoring, they got balance. They play smart. They got miles Turner. They got wings to attack. They got three point shooters. I like their bench a lot more than the Sixers bench. I feel like this is a game where the Sixers just can't quite pull away. It gets late. Malcolm Brogdon hits a three. It's a one point game in the final minute. The Sixers turn the ball over when Joel Embiid gets doubled because he can't handle a double team and the Pacers advance. So I like the argument on both sides. I feel the Sixers reluctance here, even from our Philadelphia guy. I got to go with the Sixers. I I agree with Matt's points. I think it's going to be close. I think in a series, you get the Sixers winning in like six or seven because the Pacers are going to push it the whole way. They're going to take a few games. I think it's close. I agree. The Sixers are not going to pull away. And if you're betting on this one, I'm probably taking the Indiana cover. I might sprinkle a little bit on the money line. I think that's the higher odds play, but we're just picking straight up winners. I think that I have to bet on the Sixers to 5.5 of the 10 times that they would play win the one game that they get. I think they're just the slightest edge favorite there. So Sixers advance, but it's a close one. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. Our other Eastern semi, we got the two seed Milwaukee Bucks at home against the five seed Boston Celtics. Matt, what do you think? The Bucks roll here. The Bucks dominate this matchup. Uh, The Celtics don't have enough shooting. Uh, They don't have the ability to, to combat inside. Tristan Thompson can't stop Giannis. Uh, the Bucks overwhelm them with three-point shooting. They don't have enough firepower. The Bucks, the Bucks roll here by like, like they win this one comfortably. I disagree with that. I mean, I think I think it's a closer game. But when I watched that first Bucks Celtics Celtics game, to me, Milwaukee's just not the same defensive team that they used to be. And when I look at the Celtics, I think. You know, Tatum and, and Brown, the way Browns has stepped up, I think this is a, a close to a pick em game. I, I would lean towards the Bucs, but I'm, I'm, I don't think it's a blowout. Especially in a one-game sample size, I think also in a one-game sample size, you have to account for the coaching advantage. Look, I, Actually, I, I, I'm, going with, I'm, go, I'm, going with, I'm going with the Celtics because Giannis might not actually play 40 minutes. We've seen a better we've seen a better Celtics team with your guy Kyrie Irving get absolutely just manhandled by a do, we, do we do do we know if Bud is actually gonna play Giannis 40 minutes? No, I don't think he needs to. <laughs> I mean, with that bench, he might need to. Yeah, he might need to. But the Celtics bench isn't good either. I mean, we know Jason Tatum is gonna play he's gonna play he's actually gonna play basketball. That's true. <laughs> Yeah. I'm taking the Celtics. I'm I sorry. The coaching advantage is just. I can't get there on the Celtics on this one. I think Drew Holiday is going to smother Kemba Walker. Kemba's going to shoot like three for 16 on the, on the night. I, I don't know. The, 
the Bucks own this matchup. I don't know that I agree that it's going to be a blowout, but I also don't know that I agree it's going to be anything close to a pick em. I think the Bucks win by eight to ten. I think they pull away late and and get the win. So what's the uh, uh, we are down? Yeah, what's the ECF? To... <laughs> All right, so we are down in the East to the one and two seeds. It was a tough road to get there. We didn't all entirely agree, but we're down to the Sixers and Bucks. We are going to save our final four. We'll wait on the Eastern Conference finals, and we're going to switch over to the West now. Reminder, the Jazz are the one seed. They get to sit this one out and watch. They have earned it. Our first matchup are the two seed Los Angeles Clippers against the seven seed Blazers. Uh, Raheem, do the Blazers even have a chance here? The Blazers get smoked. I mean, let's be real. The Blazers are one of the worst defenses in the league. This is not even a competition. The Clippers go out there and they, they you know, they boat race them. <laughs> Matt, do you agree? Again, you need to learn the definition of boat race. This is the second time in two days I've had to like try and correct <laughs> you on what this definition means. Look, here's the biggest thing. Who do you want in a tense situation? Paul George? And Kawhi Leonard, who last year no-showed in Game 7, and if you dig through his performances in Game 7s, actually isn't that good? Or do you want Damian Lillard? My disdain for this Blazers team is well-known. I don't think this team is good. I've never thought this team was good. Welcome to the Terry Stotts Experience. I don't think that they can defend. I don't think Enos Kanter can defend. They get Nurkic back at this point. I don't think Nurkic can defend. I don't think that their bench is any good. I think this team is absolutely not that good. However, it's a one-game situation versus, like, the team whose entire history is defined by, oh, here they come. Oh, no, the Clippers failed again. The Mavericks hung with them last year. Like, the Mavericks hung with them last year. And we know Dame is better in these kind of moments than Luka is. Like, Luka's great, but it's Dame. If I got the situation, here's what's going to happen. The Clippers defense has not been all that impressive this year to me. It just has not been all that impressive to me. This is one of those games where the Clippers get out to a 15-point lead like they did in so many games versus the Nuggets. Halftime, it's like, oh, it's still, it's still 10. It's still 10. There's up double digits. Third quarter is a wash. It's like a tie. Fourth quarter, it's brick, 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 brick. Dame hits a three. There's a canter and win one for some reason. Mello makes a three. Uh, uh, no, Mello makes a mid-range ISO, and real hoopers know Twitter goes insane after Mello's actually like a minus eighteen. <laughs> this is a one-point game in the final minute. Dame hits a three. Kawhi misses at the buzzer. The Blazers win. Oh my goodness! No way! <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell love me it. you believe. Tell me you believe in this Clippers team. <laughs> in a tense situation, in a one-game, high-tension situation. I do. I do. Matt, if the Clippers are playing the Blazers 10 games, how many games did the Blazers win out of those 10? One! <laughs> they win one! This is they insane. Win one, just this this is not. This is not the same Clippers team from last year. They're a much better team. Okay. Yeah, I love it. I love the Blazers scenario. I love the, the Ennis Cantor plus one. I can't get there. I got to go with the Clippers. I, I, I wouldn't feel great about it. And neither will the Clippers. Neither will anyone watching the game. The I game just want to gonna... note. I just want to note. This is the same thing in the head. Raheem taking the Ravens. I just want to note that. <laughs> 
Dame's gonna you make us so, nervous. He's you know what's so funny? Run. Because I didn't I didn't like the Clippers last year. Everybody liked the Clippers, and all year I was saying I this Clippers team is not gonna make it. And one of the reasons why I didn't like them was because of Montrez and Lou. And I, I see them getting they already got rid of Montrez, and I think they're gonna get rid of Lou, and I think I think those are their biggest issues. All right, who wins, Brandon? Yeah, I got to go with the Clippers. All right. I, I like the Blazers idea, but I can't buy into it. I, All right, next I was big on the Blazers heading into the season, and I just have cooled a lot. Covington and Derek Jones have not been doing it for me. Uh, I, I think if you give them a healthy team with CJ and Nurkic back, I like them to hang around. Dame is going to, you know, either Dame or CJ gets hot and can, can scorch a little bit, but – Let's not forget, it's not like those guys have been the most reliable playoff performers always either. Uh, I got to go with the Clippers. All right. In the West, the three versus six seed, the matchup we all wanted last year. We wanted the one-game playoff. We wanted it at the end of the bubble. We didn't quite get it. The Suns win 8-0 but got shut out of the play-in game. This time they're in. The six seed, Phoenix Suns, going to Memphis to face the three-seed Memphis Grizzlies. Grizzlies, Suns, Matt, what do you think? I'll take Phoenix. They're a better team. Um, Memphis's defense makes me pause a little bit. Their defense is is really good. Like Taylor Jenkins has coached this team up. Um, I want to have uh, have Jaw in this situation, but for all of the talk about Chris Paul's playoff foibles, you give me one game. Like Chris Paul's the nuts. Like he's he's. He's locked solid. Um, there are a lot of angles I can take here. I would probably like, you, you know, that the Suns are going to be laying a, a decent amount of points in this game. And I'm probably would be on Memphis against the spread, but I would, I like the Suns to win the game. I think it'll be close at the end though. Raheem. Yeah, I'm going with the Suns. I mean, I, I just, I, I, I said all this all year. I love the Suns team. They have, you know, combination of wings, I, you know, got Mikel Bridges, you got Jay Crowder, you got a, a, a closer in Devin Booker, and you got Chris Paul. And then to me, the bench is better. I, I, I love I love that bench. You know, Sarek campaign has been solid. Cam Reddish, like to me, I, I I'm taking the Suns in this matchup. Um, is it a boat this, race? It's definitely not a boat race. I think um I make this spread around two or three. Okay. So I think it's a close game, but I, I just. I'm, I'm taking the Suns. I, I, I just I gotta go with experience, and I think that that matters for a one game series. All right, I agree. The Suns advance, and then our last first round matchup: the Los Angeles Lakers, just a wild card team in this scenario, all the way down to the four seed, the overlooked L.A. Lakers, still at home, still facing the Denver Nuggets. Raheem, do the Nuggets have a chance here? They actually do, but. I just can't. I'm not gonna go against LeBron James. Like I've I've gotten burnt so many times betting against LeBron James. You give me LeBron James in one game, I'm taking LeBron James. And I, I just think the issue what I have with the Nuggets is that if Michael Porter Jr. is on the floor at any point in time, I just think he's gonna get abused. So I just I have to take the Lakers. I can't fade LeBron. And that's that's pretty much that's pretty much my case right there. <laughs> Matt, do you agree? It's a bad matchup for Denver. Denver can beat any of these other teams in the West. They can beat any of these other teams. It can't beat the Lakers. That Davis 
combats what Jokic does specifically with length, athleticism. LeBron is a wing. They lost Jeremy Grant. They lost Torrey Craig. They got nobody to match up on him. They got nobody. They're having to put Will Barton and Michael Porter Jr. out there. Like, it'd be bad. Maybe P.J. Dozier. Um, the Lakers are shooting a lot more threes this year. They're making a lot more threes this year. That combats some of it. Seven-game series, you know, Nuggets are going to win two to three. They've been, like, two and a half should probably be the line on on wins. But they're not going to win a series, and they're not going to win this one game. The Lakers win this one by seven. Yeah, I think the Nuggets get unlucky here. In our weird NFL setup, I think that we'd see teams in both conferences trying to tank these wildcard teams to try to get the six seed, fall a little bit out of this 4-5 matchup. You don't want the 4-5. You don't want to have to go play at the Lakers. And in this scenario, the Grizzlies or the Hawks are the our version of the NFC East, that, that team that you want to get to go play at their home game in the first round. So, yeah, I think the Nuggets... I would have liked them in a few other matchups, maybe any other matchup looking at it, but the Lakers get this one. So we move on to the second round. Our rested Utah Jazz are at home in the altitude hosting the Phoenix Suns. It's a fun one in the mountain time zone. Matt, what do you think? Oh, Utah. Uh, I think I think Raheem's still very high on the Suns based off of who they were early in the season. They've cooled. Like They're a good team. They're not a great team. This isn't a great team. They're a pretty good team. Um, I don't like the matchups all over because, uh, one, the Suns' defense has kind of slid considerably. Uh, I don't like Aiden having to match up versus Gobert. The Sun, the, the Jazz are, are have so much firepower. They've got a really good bench. They're well-coached. This would be a, a fun game, right? But I, I can't see Utah losing this one. I like Donovan Mitchell. Uh, and Mike Conley and Bogdanovich. Like, I just feel like they have more firepower. I like the Suns' weapons. I like the Jazz more. I think the Jazz, the Jazz win here by six or seven. That's actually where I had the line. I have the, I have the Jazz minus six, and I'm going with the Jazz, too. I mean, I've been on record saying that I think the Jazz can make the Western Conference Finals. To me, I think, you know, this offense is just unreal. They're making 17 threes a game. You got one of the best defenses in the league. Like you said, Aiton is just like Gobert is just a bad match of fate. And when I when I look at this team, I, I just I'm taking the Jazz. <laughs> so I'm a little disappointed. I was ready and waiting for a Suns argument. I I was willing to listen. I'm not saying I would have taken Phoenix, but I was ready to listen. Chris Paul in one game over any of my options on the Jazz. I would have thought about it. I I do feel a little bit like our first you know, eight or 10 games of the Suns echo a little bit or mirror a little bit this recent stretch of the Jazz, just in that I don't think either team is as good as the the current stretch seems to be. So I think that they're both a little bit overrated on the one really hot stretch that they're at, but we, we got the Jazz here, so Jazz move on. So our other matchup, we finally get it. We've been waiting. It's only one game, but we're in L.A., the Clippers are the home team on at the Staples Center court. Clippers, Lakers, it's the big one. Raheem, what do you got? I'm taking the Clippers. And it, it's shocking to me to, to do it, but I just think the Lake the Lakers just don't have enough wings to guard this team. And I think it's it's, it's kind of a rough matchup. And now obviously the Clippers don't have anybody to guard Anthony Davis. So I think this is really a true pick 'em game. But I, I just think in this matchup, I think 
the Clippers are able to just outscore them. So, I mean, I think they win, you know, in a real close one. Probably, you know, Kawhi at the buzzer or, you know, comes down to the stretch. So, I, I'm, I'm taking the Clippers. <laughs> Reluctantly. Clippers up 15 at the half or 15 with four minutes left in the first half. Everything's going great. Everything's awesome, right? The Clippers are finally here. They're going to knock them off. Raheem's counting his money. Oh, no. LeBron rattles off six in a row. It's a nine-point game. Oh, it should be fine, though. The Clippers are going to be fine. They're going to be okay. Who do you want, again, in this situation? I keep trying to tell people, Kawhi Leonard is not the closer you think he is. Kawhi Leonard, everyone thinks, is a closer because he hit a four-bouncer in one game. Other than that, it was the Spurs' overall system. Like, his actual history in playoff games, especially in Game 7 situations, is poor. You got Paul George, Lou Williams... What are we talking about here? They're, they are up by nine at the half. The, the Lakers come out. It's a tie game by the six-minute mark of the third quarter. In the fourth quarter, the Lakers are up by three. The Clippers come back, though, and they've got a three-point lead with two minutes remaining. Clank, 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 clank. LeBron draws free throws. The Lakers win the game. They're still a little brother. I want the Clippers to win. I think it'd be great for the sport for the Clippers to win. We need to break up that narrative. I feel bad for Clippers fans. Not going to happen. You do not have the leadership. You need leadership in these spots. Kawhi Leonard is not a, is not a leader. LeBron James is a leader. The Lakers win. So I'm a tiebreaker on this one again, and I'm going to make it easy. I agree with everything Matt just said. There's Let's just go. no way. I'm, I'm not taking the Clippers and everything we know about the Clippers in one game against LeBron. That's it. Brandon Anderson is a hater. The Clippers history, LeBron, <laughs> one game. That's it. LeBron's going to find a way. He's going to come back. The Clippers, you got me talking into the Clippers choke uh, with the first round, but not against the Blazers. The Lakers are not the Blazers. There's no Anthony Davis matchup. It's LeBron. Lakers win. LeBron James, oldest starting player in the NBA. All right, we are down to our final four. In the West, we've got the Lakers and the Jazz. In the East, we've got the Sixers and the Bucks. Let's go back to the East. The Sixers are your one seed, so they're the home team. Philadelphia and Milwaukee. Raheem, who do you like? I'm taking the Sixers. Look, I'm I'm fading the Bucks all the way through the playoffs. To me, I mean, you have a star in Giannis who can't shoot five feet from the basket. He's combined with, you know, Drew Holiday, who I love. But I just – to me, when I look at this team, I, I'm not impressed. Like, I mean, the bench isn't very good. The I mean, it's, it's just – we're going to have the same problems that you have every year because Giannis can't shoot from further than five feet – if you have a good defensive team, which the Sixers do, they can they can they can lock this team down. I'm taking the Sixers. I think the Sixers go to the finals. Matt, do you agree? I just want to try and understand this. So you, you don't trust Giannis because he can't shoot his limitations in the playoffs, but you trusted Lamar Jackson. That's what happened. You trusted you, you trusted Lamar Jackson. <laughs> You don't trust Giannis. Uh, I'm actually with him on this. I think the Sixers win this game. Um, the big thing is the Sixers have the defense the defense to build a wall in transition, they can get back against Giannis. Uh, you've got Seth Curry and those shooters, Danny Green versus the Bucks shooters, which obviously have taken a downgrade. The Sixers bench is not great, but it's not terrible. The Bucks bench has been bad. It's like Bobby Portis, who I love Bobby Portis, but 
I don't want him in a playoff series in this environment. The Bucks are going to get tight. Buzz not going to make the adjustments. It, it gets too tight at the end. I think it's going to be close because I don't know. Like, I think the last four minutes of this game are a complete disaster. I think it's like Breeze versus Brady where it was just like, will someone win this game? I think that's honestly what it winds up being. Uh, but I think the Sixers get a few more stops, draw a few more free throws, um, and B gets to go on Instagram, and the Sixers go to the finals. I agree. Philadelphia, I think mm-hmm. this is the team, this is the matchup we wanted to have to see the Bucks overcome the last couple of years, and the Sixers never quite got there. This is a different Sixers team. This is a different Joel Embiid, or it's the same one, but we're getting the good one every night instead of just whenever he feels like it or against you know, Cody Zeller or someone. And uh, I, I think all that size, all that strength, I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be kind of one of those ugly defensive sort of games. But I agree. The Sixers are headed back to the finals. Doc Rivers remains unbeaten in the playoffs when he has a championship caliber starting five, dating back to his one championship Boston Celtics team. So who will Philadelphia face in the finals? We're headed to Utah. Will the Jazz head back to the finals for the first time since the 90s, or will the four-seed Lakers pull the upset? Matt, do the Jazz have a chance here? Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out of here. I love the – like, look, I, I took the Jazz to make it to this spot. That's great. No. No, are you kidding me? Utah's not beating the Lakers. Bet the narrative. Ken Barkley always tells me this. Bet the narrative. This is a thing in the NBA. The, the Jazz aren't beating LeBron? Come on. Davis is going to is going to stretch Gobert out and you know, Gobert is going to get in that spot. He gets in with Jokic where he doesn't know whether he should stay in the paint or he has to come out. Davis is going to miraculously, even though he's a 30% three point shooter, he's going to hit like three threes in this game. And it's going to drive jazz fans nuts because it's a statistical outlier that always happens to them. Uh, the Lakers are going to be able to lock down and put pressure on Mike Conley. Mitchell's going to have a hard time with LeBron checking him for at least a, a decent chunk of this game or helping over on him. They've got no post-up threat because Gobert can't do anything on his own ever. The Jazz are going to put up a decent amount of points here because they got a lot of firepower, but this Lakers offense is better this season. The Lakers get it done. The Lakers win by 10. Yeah, I think Matt summed it up. We can we can skip this. <laughs> the Lakers going to the finals. The, the Lakers ain't beating the Jazz. Or the Jazz ain't beating the Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, I agree. The Lakers are in the finals. So, here we are. Big surprise, I'm sure. Lakers, Sixers. We got our finals. We are still sticking with just the one game. It's the NFL rules. Neutral site. We're headed to Tampa, the mecca of the sports world, where everything happens. Neutral site, Tampa Stadium. I don't even know where you play basketball in Tampa. They'll find an outdoor court somewhere. Sixers, Lakers, one game for all the Tostitos. Raheem, what do you think? I'm going with the Lakers. I think you just always got a bet experience in this in this situation. And then, I mean, you're pretty much taking LeBron and AD versus Embiid and Simmons. And I just and also I, I don't really trust Doc. I mean, I think Doc's an upgrade over Brett Brown, but. I'm not, I'm not taking him in this a high level situation. So I'm going with the Lakers. <laughs> Matt, do you agree? You ride all the way to the finals and then you <laughs> abandon them. You don't trust doc, but you trust Ty Lue. What is going on with you? No, I like the Sixers in this game. I think the Sixers win. Um, Anthony Davis doesn't want to play in the post. Doesn't want to do it. Doesn't want to get banged up. Anthony, Anthony questionable to return. Davis does not want to play in the post. They'll put Marcus Gasol on Embiid and Gasol had a lot of years where he played really well versus Embiid. 
Mark's up there in age. Embiid's playing better this season. The Lakers are going to send a double, and so there's going to be like 18 turnovers that I'm going to be annoyed as hell at with Embiid, but he's also going to score enough for it not to matter. Their defense is going to lock down. They've got the perimeter defense. They've got the shooting to be able to combat them. If I'm building a defender to go at LeBron, it's Ben Simmons. Like that's what I'm building is Ben Simmons. If I had to, if I got in a lab, that's who I would want. Um, I like the pick and roll situations. I like the bench matchups. I think the Sixers have enough firepower and the most, especially the Sixers have the defense to actually play big bully ball. You can't, the Lakers want to bully you. You can't bully the Sixers. They're too big. They're too strong. They're too powerful. They're too fast. The Sixers get it done. Oh boy. So I got to pick the winner here. I think I hate my own game that I've created. We are (laughs) Lakers Sixers. Uh, I like both sides here. I do agree. It, it seems like most of us at action network are on the Sixers as the East favorite here. But for me, I'm not so much on the Sixers as I am off the other options. So I don't know that I, I don't know that I, love the Sixers here though I do I like the matchup problems that they have with their size that's what we've been waiting for is the chance to see those matchup problems play out I agree I don't love Anthony Davis against Embiid in the post and I know that it just this is reductionist thinking but at the end of the day we got a game seven for the championship and one team has LeBron the other team has Embiid and Simmons Tobias Harris, Seth Curry. I just haven't seen it from any of those guys. You know, like Seth Curry is not not putting up big numbers in his Liberty days of playing in the playoffs back then. Tobias Harris, what experience does he have? Ben Simmons, what you know, what's who's gonna score for Philadelphia against the Lakers? You said the Sixers defense. What about the Lakers defense? This is gonna be a rock fight, I think. I, I don't trust either team a ton to score, but I think that's going to be a close game. The pressure is going to get higher and higher late in the game. I don't know who I trust on Philadelphia when that pressure ramps up. I know who I trust on the Lakers and I just have to, I can't pick against LeBron in this spot. So for me, it's the Lakers. We just watched this team almost choke away a game that they dominated like two weeks ago. And I I think, you know, in a final situation, that pressure is even higher. So it's just like, I, I can't take the Sixers in the spot. I just can't. <laughs> I hear you, but at the same time, LeBron's getting old. And the other thing I would say is, I don't trust AD. I don't trust AD. I'll say that. AD, AD's never been, think about it. Has AD been in a pressure situation? They rolled through everybody in the playoffs. They have, he yeah. has never been in a must-win situation. That's fair. Something to think about. I trust LeBron for sure. Mm-hmm. But the rest of that team, I'm not like, oh, they're nails. So I, I think it's interesting. I think it, it'd be a really fun, interesting matchup. This is a great exercise, Brandon. I really, I, I really enjoyed it. Let us know what you guys think on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow the Action Network at Action Network HQ. It's Wednesday, guys. We've got one pick. Mm, dig in. Certainly does look delicious. It's the Wednesday NBA Buffet. Chew and swallow, no savoring. We're switching up the buffet. You get one one meal to chow down on for the Wednesday night action. Brandon, what's your pick for the night? All right, if I only get one, I got to take a prop. And if I only get one prop, I got to go back to Old Faithful. I'm taking a center at a 0.5 number. 
ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Gafford, starting Whoa. center, Chicago Bulls, under 0.5 assists. That is at plus 152 at FanDuel. Get it while it's there because these tiny lines have a tendency to disappear. Gafford is starting with Wendell Carter out. Gafford has not had an assist in 10 of the 17 games this season. Even though he's starting, he's had two 10-minute starts. He's averaging 50, under 15 minutes a game. For his career, he averages one assist every 29 minutes. And on top of that, Dad Young, out of nowhere, has like 28 assists the last three games. He's been coming off the bench, like playing this pivot center thing. And uh, I expect more of that. Gafford, you know, he's a rim runner. So he's playing up against Mitchell Robinson. He, he had a decent enough game his last time out. But history says Gafford is not really doing a lot of passing. He basically touches the ball when it's right here at the rim going through. So Daniel Gafford under, well, Daniel Gafford, zero assists, plus 152. I'm going to stab your ass with this fork. Do you hear me? I would love that. Raheem, what's your pick for tonight? I'm going with the Oklahoma City Thunder team total under 107. You know, these two teams, they played the Rockets on Monday. The Thunder only scored 106 points. Now they'll be without Shaq Gilgis Alexander. Um, he dominates their offense. He's pretty much their point guard, their higher scorer. You know, when I, I took the under the other day and pretty much the, the Rockets, they shot 53% from three. They made 28 threes. I actually like the full game under as well. But I just don't see how Oklahoma City scores without Shaq Gilgis Alexander. They don't have George Hill. The Rockets have had one of the best defenses in the league since they traded James Harden. They're allowing 102 points per 100 possessions. I like the Oklahoma City Thunder team total under 107. You play a full game under as well, 222. I don't want to ever be in a situation where OKC can screw me. How many times have they done weird stuff this season? Like they've like they've done some weird stuff this season. They are they're crazy in, in that fourth quarter. They're really well coached. Like I get where you're coming from. But I personally, I just don't ever want to be in a spot where I'm, I'm like, as long as the Thunder don't do anything crazy, I don't want to do that. Like, that's just, they're a weird team this season. I think they, they are, but I mean, my number, my number puts the game at 220, 221. Yeah, 220. You got, I, mean, I get you. So it's like, I got to, I got to, I got to play the number. And then I just, I don't, I don't see a high offensive output from them. Tonight. Yeah, I, so I, I, get I, like, I get you got to play the, the model. I get, I get that. And I really like this Rockets defense. So mm-hmm. and I think the market's still adjusting to them. So I, I, I hate the pick. It just makes me nervous. Uh, mine for the night. I got a trend mm-hmm. for you guys. You guys ready for this? Since 2014-15. So that's the start of like the Warriors era, right? Like when Kerr came in, the Rockets really transitioned to shooting a ton of threes. This is when the three-point model really started to shift. Since 2014-15, in games in which the opponent hit 20 or more threes in their previous game, 20 threes is a ton. Right. Like that's like shooting the lights out. You hit 23s in the game. That is a metric ton. Okay. In games in which that has happened in the game after the under has gone 33 and 19 for 64.5%. Okay. Um, Also, I'm taking the Sixers in this game versus the Charlotte Hornets who hit more than 23s in the previous game. The favorite in a game in which the opponent hit 20 or more threes in the previous game is 34 and 18 for 65% against the spread. I, so I'm taking the Sixers and I'm taking the under in this game as the regression hits the Hornets. I've played this spot continuously since I found the trend and it has worked out for me. Unless it's the Kings, don't do it with the Kings. Don't do it with the Kings ever because the Kings will screw you. Listen to me, people. Don't get screwed by the Kings. 
very bad. Let's get wrapping up with the Action Network. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We will be back next week. Make sure to check out all the great shows on our podcast from college football, obviously Super Bowl preview week, all of the awesome stuff. Make sure to download our award-winning app. And we'll talk to you guys again next week on the Action Network NBA podcast. We're finished talking.